Hi, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation focused on youth mental health. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know that all content that is found in our podcast is created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. It's your host, Poonam, here with a very special guest, Malvika Abhi. She is the founder of TeenSelfCompassion.org, and she's also a published author. I'm super excited to host her and inspire you all with her journey to self-compassion. And another fun fact about her, she used to be a Tarika teen volunteer ambassador, and she herself recorded many podcasts for this nonprofit. And that's the reason it's exciting to have her as a guest, not as a host. Mal- Malvika, welcome, welcome. Before I ask you more questions, please introduce yourself and tell us what are you doing currently? Thank you so much for having me here today. So I'm Malavika, and I'm currently a junior at Swarthmore College, which is near Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. I'm studying medical anthropology and psychology on the pre-med track, and I'm planning to graduate and start med school in the next two years. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing uh, your journey a little bit. Tell me what inspired you to write your first book, The Gift That Keeps on Giving? So for me, I think it was partially um, my personal mental health journey and my interest in learning more about how to get through the competitiveness of high school and take care of myself through that. Um, Because growing up, I just saw so many of my friends and classmates struggle and I knew that I was struggling too. So there are a lot of things that I personally internalized. So I grew up in Cupertino, which is a pretty competitive area, at least educationally. So by the time I was like in late middle school, especially mid high school, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was working way too hard, still feeling like I was getting nothing done. It was definitely really tough, but I thought all of it was pretty much normal because it's what I saw around me. But because I got very intrigued by this, I was like, this can't be right. (laughs) I shouldn't be feeling so terrible all the time. I actually joined some more like mental health internships and like volunteering. Actually, Tharika Foundation was probably the first mental health organization that I started volunteering with. And I started learning about mental health also in a professional academic kind of way by taking classes and things, along with my own personal journey of introspection. So then it was around like my junior year, probably that COVID started and I had more time on my hands to kind of write down or reflect on some of the things that I was learning. So the book came about by chance because I I was like, okay, like why not just write like some poems or some blogs or because I was already doing things like that for 
um, I was working with a company called Vivencity and then different places like that. I was just like writing blogs and I was like, let's make the most of this time and do more. And it started like a, just like a passion project sort of thing. But because I had more time, I just kept writing and writing. Uh, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I mean, I think I could make this into a book. And then I kind of went with that intention. And I started writing in the spring of my junior year and then I finished and then I formatted and made some like cover designs and stuff around the October of my senior year and then published it then. So really my 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 inspiration was kind of just having some work to get down all the things that I had been learning because it felt really valuable and it felt like things that I could have used when I was younger, like 11, 12, 13. Um, and so it was kind of for myself, but then also for other people who felt just like myself. And I knew that there were people like there because all of my friends and all of my classmates would also say like, I just slept five hours last night. I just slept four hours. I'm so stressed. Like, I feel like I'm not doing well. And then, yeah, pretty much the same kinds of fears that I had. No, I'm so glad, Malvika, you did that. You had that feeling for others. And you said, I should not keep that goodness to myself. Rather, I should spread others so that they can be benefited. So what message are you trying to give to the teens in your book? So uh, basically, every single chapter is on a different, like, small, little, like, uh, mini lesson. Um, but then I would say the ones that I think about the most, and you know, sometimes I look back at the book, I like open it, I'm like, I haven't looked at this in a while. Um, I want to see this again. And some things stand out to me because, you know, even as someone who does mental health work, sometimes you really forget the lessons that you're sharing with other people. You forget to apply to your own life. Um, I think one thing is the concept of self-talk and being aware of it because a lot of people when we're you know just going about our daily lives we have an inner monologue that says different things about ourselves about other people etc um like you know you're working on a task and there's a voice that says like hey why are you not doing that fast enough like you're running out of time that voice we just think of it as our thought and we don't really make much of it and we don't really try to change it either as far as I know because when I was younger I never really did that I thought my thoughts equal myself like Malavika's thoughts are a representation of Malavika as a person so if I had any negative thoughts or critical thoughts I would think hey like this is just who I am this is my personality um, and I really internalized that and gave a lot of value to those critical thoughts so I think just being aware of self-talk from a little bit of a disconnected perspective and knowing that you are not your thoughts and you can rewrite them um, and be conscious of them, I think that's a really, really big thing for me because it ch totally changed the game. All these years that I grew up um, just saying like, oh, you're not good enough or your work is not good enough or um, like you're lacking in this way, you're lacking this other quality, um, other people are better than you in so many ways. All of those things that I told myself, I realized like, hey, all I have to do is come at it from another voice, the, you know, the supporting voice, the cheerleading voice, and say like, hey, why are you talking like that? <laughs> That's not okay. You can't bully yourself. 
and it's it's kind of like I have a whole scenario in my head. So even now, I obviously like no one is still perfect. So even after writing the book and everything, I still get negative thoughts and I still get critical thoughts. So I still have to remember that every time those things come up, I also have to introduce the other voice in my head to say like, hey, like, what did we say about saying stuff like that? So that's, I feel like the first big thing. And the second big thing is that we all make mistakes and that being human comes with things like disappointments, like when you're growing, like taking steps back, ups and downs, like all of these things are just like part of the natural trajectory of life. So I feel like I've learned more about um, just letting things be like when I feel sad, I feel sad. When I feel like satisfied or content, I feel content. Um, but I'm not always trying to analyze that or change that or be like, oh, you're not supposed to feel sad. You're not supposed to feel angry. Like there's no really such thing as a negative emotion and a positive emotion, even though some psychologists call it that. It's just like the academic term, like a negative emotion. But it's not saying that you're not actually supposed to feel sadness because it would be a very unnatural thing if we didn't feel sadness. Like a person who is happy 24 7 is like you know they're like an alien that doesn't really happen to anyone um so just accepting when these things happen and telling myself hey like you're sad right now or you're facing a disappointment right now you know that's okay and everyone goes through these things and tomorrow will be a better day and tomorrow you'll um, make a different choice or do something differently or you'll forget that this happened or I just I'm able to comfort myself a little bit um, and just accept uh, whatever that it is that I'm going through. Malikvika, thank you so much for sharing those deep insights. I can relate with you. I also experienced that um, kind and unkind mind within me, those two voices you were talking about. I also learned the art of filtering out those negative voices and nurturing positive voices which are uplifting. So thank you so much for sharing that. And to your other point, you know, making mistakes. I used to be very critical, you know, of my failures, but I learned failures are part of my success. They're not opposite of success. I think that mindset shifting that voice, like it's okay, you know, I will learn from it. I will grow, right? That That's what I learned from you. Um, and talking about acknowledging your own feelings, very important. And it's okay, like as you were saying, we do have a choice and happiness is a daily choice. Yeah, this today is not okay. That doesn't mean tomorrow does not need to be okay. So you can choose for how long you want to stay, stay in that state. So choice is mine. So that, you know, that gives you so much empowerment. Nobody can make me happy. It's my choice. Today, I'm choosing to stay with this feeling, but tomorrow I will choose different path. So that's very empowering. So tell me one more thing. Uh, you were talking about when you got time to write your book and all, and those high schools are very busy years. And now this is also the time when our high school seniors are busy writing college application. And I'm sure it is stressful time for them, managing application, work, and those negative voices. 
right? So what is your advice to them who are going through this process? How can they be more graceful to them and compassionate to them? That's a great question. Um, I think one thing is uh, not putting a lot of pressure on yourself during the writing process or even after submitting college applications. That's like a very general thing to say. So just more specifically, something that I try to do is I try to focus on getting something done every single day, meaning not done, something on the page, basically. So if I open up the Google Doc and I title the doc like Emory supplemental essay and then I copy pasted the prompt for the supplemental essay and then I just thought about it for two minutes hmm what would be something that would be good to write about for this essay I counted that as like yes <laughs> I did something that day <laughs> and like that really made it easier for me because say I did that today, right? Tomorrow when I open up that Google Doc, that prompt is there and my like two minute idea might be like uh, scrolled down in like two, three words or something. So I'm not starting from zero. I'm starting from somewhere. And that actually makes it just so much easier mentally. I think like anyone who's writing college apps right now can like attest to this writing from a blank document is so daunting like you're just staring at the google doc or like a piece of paper and there's nothing on it and you're like how do i just write a great essay right now and it's just, it's just like too much pressure and too much to think about and like just the just that anxiety of like how am i going to go from a blank document to like a 300 word supplemental essay, just that thought can feel debilitating and demotivating. And you just think to yourself, like, I can't do this. And then you immediately put it off for like tomorrow or next week or like next, next week. So I would say my biggest advice in that sense, like more practically is just focus on progress and don't focus on completion or polishing in the beginning. After you have down ideas, then you can get down a draft. Then after you have a draft, you can focus on making it polished and making it, you know, what you want to actually submit. Um, that's one thing. And then in general, I would say it really helped me personally to think of the writing process and the college application process as a whole as just like a just like an exciting like stage in my life where I'm like, you know, learning more about myself, uh, solidifying what my interests are, like exploring different possibilities like, oh, I might go to this state or I might go to this school or I may end up living in a city or I might live in a town. Um, I know that sometimes going into the process, especially if you're someone who lives in uh, the Bay Area or someplace that's as competitive as the Bay Area, like it feels like they're very specific names that you should be aspiring to like this school this town this major sometimes people get into the school that they want it's not into the major that they want so all kinds of things like sometimes they just don't match up um and i realized that when i was going through this process there are so many schools more schools out there than i thought i'd, I'd grown up he hearing about the ucs and the ivs and obviously like all of the top 20s and i was like oh like as long as i get into one of those like i'll be a successful person but then i guess like when i was a senior i really started to question that a little bit because i was also like writing about all of these things and mental health so i was like in that space of mind like i was like thinking about all of these things so deeply 
I was like, what even is success, right? Because if I end up going to a top 20 and then I go there and I'm unhappy or I'm working really hard and like I graduate and I'm just like, now what? Or like, you know, there are all kinds of things that are, that can happen and you're not like exempt from disappointments or failures just because you go to Harvard. Like, I don't think it's as linear as I used to think it was. I thought that if someone goes to Harvard or Stanford, then they're just set for life and their entire life is going to be full of successes. And, you know, everyone is going to love you and you're going to be rich and famous. And, you know, all of that was really com coming from a naive perspective, I feel like, because I just, I don't know, I just thought like, like the ultimate goal in life is to get into a school like that but actually the truth is when you go to college you're only like 17 or 18 you have decades and decades ahead of you and in my personal view what determines like how those decades go are things like your people skills like how you treat other people um how you have conversations um your confidence uh how well you know yourself and your own interests and how you can communicate to other people all of these things actually make you very good at skills like networking which are actually far more valuable in like today's society and like the workplace i feel like personally and after talking to like other adults and like people in my college and you know other people that i'm surrounded by then something like oh like i did science for and I won all these competitions when I was 16 years old so I got into a top 20 and like that's it and then I and then I was I just banked my entire future on like that college acceptance so I think there's what I'm trying to say is there's a lot more to life than what college you get into and if you as a person are proactive and you know what you want and you have specific goals and you have the persistence to work towards that, I don't think that your college acceptance or or like rejections or wait list determines where your future goes. So I obviously like when I'm in the middle of things, like it's not like I have such a open worldview. I tried to tell myself these things and it partially worked especially a few years after college applications i feel like more free and like happy and content and satisfied in my own like college experience to tell you all of these things and i think also for me i ended up going to swarthmore and a lot of you guys might not know where that is or what that is but the reason that it's not as well known is because it's a smaller liberal arts college um, near philly so liberal arts colleges are like they're like basically around 2000 people, um, but they basically have like more like attention from professors on students or research opportunities and things like that because they're smaller schools. So for me, a drawback was that after I decided that I really wanted to go here and I actually applied early decision, my parents and my family friends had a very hard time agreeing with me or understanding why I would wanna go to a quote unquote like uh, like not famous or like not well-known school they're like why would you go somewhere that like we've never heard of like why are you not trying to go to like UCSB or Berkeley and I was like <laughs> because those are not my interests so I I feel like once you kind of detach a little bit from the like 
from the concept of prestige and like if I get into this school that's on the US news ranking, then I'm going to be successful, then you can discover a lot about yourself and what you actually want from a college, uh, which is kind of what I was able to do. Um, and I really, really like my experience at Swarthmore. So uh, I feel good about saying that. Uh, but yeah, some of these things, because also once you do what I just mentioned, like suddenly it doesn't feel like writing essays or working on college apps is so scary, right? Because wherever you go, like you will be able to figure it out. Um, and community college is one of those options too. It's like so stigmatized and people think like it's some sort of insult, like going to community college, like think of it as a possibility. But actually that's also one of the paths that a lot of people take to succeed in the way that they define success. Um, Manvika, I will just say very briefly, I do have a son who headed out to college this year and my advice to him was, you know, do focus on things which are under your control and do not worry for things which are beyond your control, right? Only efforts are in your control, not the results. And everybody has a place and you will find your place. You will go where you belong. So that definitely, I think, helped him. So, but you have given very practical advices. Thank you so much for that response. And I, you know, when you were sharing your story, um, did anything came, that pressure we were talking about, did anything come from your parents or were you the one putting everything on yourself? And if you have any message for the parents who are listening to this podcast, what that message would be? I would say during my experience, a lot of the application stuff was driven by me um, because I became a little bit more independent towards the, the second half of high school. So I was like, I wanna apply to this school. Um, I wanna do this. Um, and my parents were on board with my track, like being pre-med. So they didn't try to influence my major too much because you can be pre-med with any major. Um, but the thing was, after I started hearing back from colleges, my parents started to feel more concerned because they were like, um, because I guess like then it felt more real to them. Um, and the fact that I had applied to a lot of out-of-state schools, suddenly they were like, oh, hold on a second. Like, <laughs> wait, we don't want you to go out of state. <laughs> and then uh, that was really surprising to me because I had put a lot of time into the applications. And, you know, I did apply to all the UCs and I applied to USC and California schools. But for me personally, like, I was kind of looking at this with the, like, these are my wings going out to fly and like I'm going to go anywhere that like is like a, like seems like a good fit for me that accepts me and like I felt very excited and open about that um, but my parents you know had their own expectations anyway the school that I ended up going to was my choice so I was lucky about that but it took a lot of family discussions and a lot of like arguments and really talking about this at length for weeks and weeks to figure that out. So I would say like to parents, um, 
just trust your kids I would say it's really hard because at that age like you're only like 17 or 18 so college is just such a big decision and I can understand why parents would be hesitant about you know just letting their kid go wherever they want to go and going out of state can be a very scary thing but I think one thing to remember is that the whole process of like being a family and like having parents and kids together is so that kids can be raised into their own individuals that can thrive in like other environments even when their parents are you know somewhere else like living somewhere else or doing something somewhere else um and not exactly like the goal isn't really to make the children stay like close to home or at home for the rest of their lives like and grow up exactly like the parents like same profession same personality same goals like there will obviously be some differences that develop um as the kid grows up so i think like it it can be it can feel sad um because i've heard my parents talk about this a lot of times so i can empathize with their perspective but like I think it can also be a very happy and exciting thing to see your kids like develop their own interests and like be okay living a little bit away from home because they're still carrying their parents lessons with them they're still thinking about their parents and calling their parents so just because they're you know going to college in a different place or having different goals than their parents expected them to have like it doesn't mean that they don't love them just as much. It's just that they're their own individuals. Um, and I think it would be nice for us to uh, accept and embrace that a little bit more. Uh, thanks for sharing your insights. I I can ask more questions related to that topic, but uh, we are running short of time. So I wanted to ask you, in addition to writing a book, you also launched your website. So what led to what led to you to launch a website and what can we find on that website? Yeah, so I, uh, I think like I have a very straightforward answer to that one. I felt like a lot of people sometimes don't have uh, time to read books or there are barriers to actually buying the book. So I thought, how can I get across like all of the things that I talked about in this book to like just anyone? Um, for anyone to read uh, and so I was like website <laughs> simple answer so I and it was it's also nice to make a website because you can edit it anytime you want you can add on more information uh, you can improve the things that you've learned on so um, I made the website as like an initial like storage of information online for anyone to read that had things that were relevant to my book. And I really expanded it. So some of the tools that are available on there, are, I have a lot of like other organizations and groups that I'm familiar with, their learning modules about different topics related to social emotional health. Like there's a unit on there about building resilience. There are some book recommendations on there about like uh, love and relationships and how to foster it because love is not just romantic. It's also between friends. It's also between you and your environment, you and your family. So lots of things about that. Um, I also have some of my own blogs and articles some videos from YouTube that have really helped me, infographics. It's really just like this 
huge like like uh platform for like all kinds of things that have really benefited me personally and that i've loved and read myself and everything on there is free which i really love because when i was younger i used to look at like random organizations websites and a lot of services were like paid and like i don't know i always felt and like some things were like links to therapy and you know there are various var barriers why people can't access therapy maybe in their household they're not allowed to do therapy or you know different things like that some some households it's very stigmatized um so these are things that are kind of a step below that where you can learn better how to help yourself um in an accessible way uh there are also some definitions of things that other people would have heard of but not really understand like what is gaslighting what is like relationship abuse or um what exactly does self-criticism look like like all sorts of things like that um but yeah, it's really just like anything that you'd want to know around self-compassion, um, friendships, relationships, and even like motivation and school support. Because I've had a lot of teenagers that I've talked to um, also look at my book in the perspective of like, how can I do better at school? That's not exactly the focus of my book, but I think that's something a lot of kids are thinking about in the Bay Area. So um, I also put a section on there to help with that. Wonderful, wonderful. So I highly recommend all my audience to go and check Malvika's website, teenselfcompassion.org, and also read her book, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Malvika, I'm very grateful to you for finding time from your busy schedule and sharing your journey and your great insights with us. I am hoping you will write your second book soon and won't stop writing more. You are such an inspiration to the younger generation and many, many more generations to come. And to, to tell you frankly, I felt so inspired talking to you. So it's not only younger generation, but your inspiration to every age group. So keep doing the great work and I wish you tons of success in your journey. Thank you very much. Thank you. You are listening to Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharika Foundation. As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every Friday. So make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and thank you so much for listening.